Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to all of you. Glad to have you with me. Last time we visited together, we talked about some things from Luke chapter 8, and we're going to carry on with the rest of that chapter that we didn't get to last week, and we're going to see some fascinating revelation. Some of you may already have seen this about where Jesus speaks to us, where Jesus speaks to us. Last week, we talked about Jesus saying that if we don't listen to him with open hearts, what little light we think we have will be taken away. And he'll do that, not to punish us, but for our benefit. And we learned that having an open heart is a willingness to let go of what we've imagined in our minds to be true about God and to let Jesus show us what is really true. And once we're willing to let go of what we've held fast to in our minds, then and only then will the Holy Spirit of Christ in us open the floodgates of revelation to us. Luke chapter 8, verse 17 from the Passion Translation. Christ's light now shines in you, and nothing will be hidden from you. It will all be revealed. Man, every secret of the kingdom will be unveiled and out in the open, made known by Christ's revelation light. Verse 18, so pay careful attention to your hearts as you hear Jesus teaching. For to those who have open hearts, even more revelation will be given to them until it overflows. See, the Holy Spirit of Christ in us reveals truths to our hearts, our spirits. That word is interchangeable, the meaning of it in Scripture, our heart and our spirit, not to our mind. Today, we're going to go even deeper in seeing the important differences between our mind and our heart and our spirit and learn more about living from our heart and our spirit. I used to think, emphasis on think, (laughs) that when I learned the truth about God in my mind— then I had to work to get it from my mind down into my heart. I'd say, I'd say things like, well, I know something is true, but it's not having any effect in my life yet, I guess because I haven't got it from my mind to my heart. Well, the Holy Spirit of Christ has been revealing to me that actually it's just the opposite. He reveals truth to me in my heart or my spirit. And then I need to let go of what I've imagined to be true in my mind and replace it with the truth that Christ is showing me in my heart, my spirit. I'm just pretty much going to say heart from now on, but that that means our spirit, all right? That's metanoia, when we let go of what we believed to be true before and believe what Christ in us shows us. That's metanoia, changing our mind. That's doing what Solomon wrote in Proverbs 3, 3 to 8. He said, hold on to loyal love and don't let go and be faithful to all that you've been taught. Let your life be shaped by integrity with truth written upon your heart. 
Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. You can see the obvious emphasis there on our heart. Verse 6, become intimate with God in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. God leads us and speaks to us from and in our heart, in our spirit. Verse 7, don't think for a moment that you know it all, for wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Undivided devotion means we're not going back and forth from what we think to be true in our mind, which is influenced by our five senses. We're not going back and forth divided between that and what the Holy Spirit of Christ shows us in our heart or spirit. No, it's undivided devotion to what God shows us. Then you'll find the healing refreshment your body and spirit long for. Now, Remember, spirit always has sort of a a first grade elementary level meaning, and then many, many, many deeper levels of revelation meaning below that. When he says here, avoid everything that's wrong, well, the first grade level would be avoid wrong behavior, you know, cheating, lying, hurting people, things like that. But a much deeper level truth there is avoiding any thoughts about Adam's dark angry, religious, small g, God being real. Once we avoid that false mindset, we find the healing refreshment that both our body and our spirit long for. And it's an amazing thing. Some of you have, have experienced that. All right, Luke 8, 22 to 25. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's get in the boat and go across to the other side of the lake. A storm came up. Jesus calmed the storm. I'm not going to go into that. Verse 26. As soon as they stepped ashore, I mean, the very instant they stepped ashore on the eastern side of the lake in the, the land of the Gerasenes, the disciples were confronted by a demon-possessed madman. Other versions say crazed man from a nearby town. If you're crazed, if you're crazy, that's in your mind. Your mind is diseased. It's not at ease. Of course, what's in the mind, whether it's true or not, affects all the rest of our body. Text goes on to say, many times this man had been put under guard and bound with chains, but repeatedly the many demons inside him had thrown him into convulsions, breaking his shackles and driving him out of the town into the countryside. He had been demonized for a long time and was living naked in a cemetery among the tombs. Let's take a little deeper meaning at that phrase, living naked. Anybody else in the Bible come to mind who was naked, living outside? Uh, Yeah, Adam and Eve. They originally were in their right mind, listening to and believing and being intimate and hanging out with the living word of God all the time. But once they started entertaining false thoughts about God and themselves in their mind, then their minds told them they were naked and they were ashamed. Shame is always in the mind. When this man saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and screamed out, What are you doing here? You are Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. Jesus commanded the demons to come out of him, and they shouted, We beg you, don't torture us. Jesus asked the man, What's your name? Mob or legion, the demons answered. 
We are a mob, for there are many of us here in this man. We beg you, don't banish us to the bottomless pit of the abyss. On a hillside nearby, there was a large herd of pigs, and the demons pled with Jesus, let us enter into the pigs. So Jesus ordered all the mob of demons to come out of the man and enter the pigs. The crazed herd of swine stampeded over the cliff into the lake, and all of them drowned. When the herders tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off in fear and reported it to the nearby town and throughout the countryside. There were ten towns in that countryside. Then the people of the region came out to see for themselves what had happened. When they came to where Jesus was, they discovered the notorious madman totally set free. A madman. When you're a madman, where's the problem? Well, of course, it's in your mind. This formerly mad man was totally set free from a distorted false mindset. Remember in John 8 where Jesus said, when I set you free, you are free indeed. The text says this man was fully clothed, speaking intelligently in his right mind and sitting at the feet of Jesus. That means listening to Jesus teach him. Now, this had been going on for several hours while these people go into town and get people and come back and that kind of stuff. Well, the people were shocked. The guy was in his right mind. Then eyewitnesses to the miracle reported all they'd seen and how the demonized man was completely delivered from his tormented. Where was he tormented? In his mind. After hearing about such amazing power, the townspeople became frightened. Now, my interpretation as to why they were frightened is that they realized with someone that this kind of power was from God, and they were greatly afraid of that version of God that they believed in. They all believed, these people weren't Jewish, but everybody, every person since Adam and Eve, no matter where they were or what false gods they'd come up with, everybody believed in some version of Adam's dark, angry, religious, small g God, a small g God. He was just waiting to punish him. So these people most likely thought, all right, God sent somebody here. He's already punished us by killing 2,000 pigs, their property, their food, their livelihood. So they, they were in great fear. Verse 37, soon all the people of the region of the, of the Gerasenes and the surrounding country begged Jesus to leave him, for they were gripped with fear, fear in their minds. Fear of Adam's dark, religious, angry, small g God. So Jesus got into the boat, intending to return to Galilee. But the man who had been set free, I picture this guy just grabbing hold of the boat or maybe grabbing a hold of Jesus. No, 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 don't go. Take me with you. Let me go with you. Jesus said, no, uh, I want you to stay here. Return to your home and your family and tell them all the wonderful things God the only true God, the real God, tell him what God is like. Tell him all the wonderful things God has done for you. He hasn't punished you. He has healed you and put you back in your right mind and restored you and redeemed you. So this man did. He went away and preached to everybody who would listen about the amazing miracle that God had worked in his life. 
And we now understand that this man continued to let Christ live in him. And all the ten towns in that region, the people there started believing the truth about the only true God, who is pure, light, and love, and totally good. They didn't have any Jewish people come and give them some Christian version of the Jewish religion or anything like that. This man told them about the only true God who had met and what he did for him. And, of course, Christ was in him continually teaching him. Now, it's very important that we understand this. This man was in his right mind. The right mind is the mind of Christ, which is in us. We have the mind of Christ. The kingdom of God, the Trinity, are in us, and they speak to us in our heart, in our spirit, not to our mind, They speak to our heart. Their spirit speaks to our spirit. Their spirit is one with our spirit. Not being in your right mind is living from dark thoughts separate from the truth, the only true God who lives in you. Look at these verses from Colossians 1, verse 6. Paul says, this is the wonderful message that is being spread everywhere, powerfully changing hearts throughout the earth, just like it has changed you. Every believer of this good news bears the fruit of eternal life as they experience the reality of God's grace. Verse 12 and 13, your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude, just like the demoniac. When you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. And remember, of course, God is pure light with no trace of darkness. Verse 13, he has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. Where is the tyrannical rule of darkness? In our minds. The kingdom realm of Christ is pure light with no trace of darkness. Verse 21, 22, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds, because of your evil behavior. See, when you're not in your right mind, when you believe in Adam's dark, angry, religious, small g God, and you're afraid of it, you think it's going to punish you for every little evil behavior thing that you did. But that fear is only in your mind. Nobody's ever been an enemy of God. We've only thought we were enemies, as Paul said here, in our minds. Now, there's only one thing that can drive that fear of God out of your mind. You know what it is, don't you? It's perfect love. First John four sixteen. John says, We have come into an intimate experience with God's love, and we trust in the love that he has for us. God is love, and God is pure light with no trace of darkness. Those who are living in love are living in God, and God lives through them. Verse 17, by living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly, without fear, face the day of judgment. Where does the fear of judgment live? In our minds. By living in God, John says, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment. Where does fear of the day of judgment come? Where does it live? In our minds. Because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. 
Does your mind tell you that you're just like Jesus in this world? No. Your mind says, are you kidding me? You think you're just like Jesus is? I mean, look at yourself. Look at what you did. Look at your thought. Look what you did that night or that day or 20 years ago or whatever. Look, your mind doesn't tell us that you're just like Jesus in this world. Jesus reveals that in your heart, in your spirit. And we get the opportunity to live by what he says, by his mind, by the mind of Christ. All right. Jesus reveals things to us in our heart. When we let go of what little light that we think we have in our minds, when we let go of any fear of judgment, we're free. Verse 18, love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection, here it is, drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Your heart, your spirit, where God speaks to you, where love speaks to you, where God relates to you, is pure love, and that perfection drives fear far away from there. Live from love. Live from your heart, from your spirit, not from your mind. Back to Colossians 1.22. Now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body at the cross through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and fear from accusation. That's true in the real you. Does your mind tell you that you're without blemish and free from accusation? No, of course not. Your mind says, are you kidding? But your heart, where Jesus is, tells you, you are without blemish. You are free from accusation. See, your mind doesn't want to believe that. Your mind has spent years developing this mindset that it thinks it's true and continually gets input from our five senses. Your mind fights what we hear in the spirit. We need to get our truth from our spirit, from our heart, not our mind. The mind seems to be you, the real you. We tend to think, well, that's who I am. That's my thoughts. That's who I hear from all the time. That's not the real you. See, first of all, we don't know what we don't know. That's where we start. We're unaware that we're not living in our right mind, that we're not walking in the light. Second, we become aware and most of us, I would guess almost all of you who are watching and listening now, you're aware. You know that something's wrong, that you're not living in your right mind. Something's wrong, but you don't know what it is. Then we get to the point where, oh, I see what I don't know. I know God is different than I thought. I know God is way better than I thought. I know I'm better than I thought. You start to learn what God is really like. You metanoia. You change your mind. And fourth, finally, you get to the point where you don't even know what you know. You are so immersed and one with the mind of Christ, the source, the creator, that you know, you, know, you experience, you believe what's in the mind of Christ, and you don't even think about it. It surpasses human knowledge, as the Apostle Paul writes. If you're not in your right mind, you're believing and acting on things that aren't true. So Paul says, renew your mind, which means to switch from your false mind thinking to the mind of Christ and listen to that. See, there's only one right mind. That's the mind of Christ, which is pure light with no trace of darkness, your spirit, your heart. Then there are also your thoughts, which can believe any amount of things, any amount of nonsense. But then there's the mind of Christ. We're not to take those other thoughts. It's like a note on the piano. You know, piano notes, are, they're strings that are tightened to a pin. And in the middle of the piano, there are two strings on each note. It's like 
Christ is the string that's always perfectly in tune. Like when you play an A just above middle C, it vibrates at 440 vibrations per second. There are two strings there. You get the one string perfectly in tune. That represents Christ, Christ, the mind of Christ, which is always perfectly in tune. Now, our thoughts, that other string can be off. We can be out of tune, not in harmony. When it's just a little bit off, when we're just a little bit off, it's not so obvious. It's when they're way off that it becomes more obvious. When you're off just a little bit, it doesn't seem so bad. But if you're a piano tuner, you can never get all the other notes in tune because you set the temperament. You tune all the other notes starting with that A440. And if it's just a little bit off, the rest of it's going to be off. And I view the rest of the keys on the piano, the rest of the notes, like our relationships and our actions and things. If where we're starting from is off, the rest are going to be off. Depending on how far off we are, they're going to be way off. It's like if you're in an airplane and you're flying by instruments and you leave New York and you're going to Paris. If the instrument is just like a couple of degrees off, well, you don't notice it when you leave LaGuardia, but you fall asleep, you put the thing on autopilot, and the next thing you know, you run out of gas somewhere over the North Pole or somewhere. You miss the mark by a long ways because you started off a little bit off. Just a few degrees off is like spiritually as compared to a mixed message. Just a little bit of law. Yeah, God is love and God is light, but yeah, you know, just a little bit of that Adam Stark angry religious God, small g God, and you'll never get the joy of being perfectly in tune with pure light with no trace of darkness. The Holy Spirit, the master tuner in us, speaks truth, pure light with no darkness, making all our paths straight, always working to raise, to pull our thoughts up in tune with the mind of Christ to higher vibrations, always working to eliminate out-of-tune thoughts. See, when our mind, our thoughts are pure, with no darkness, perfectly in tune with the mind of Christ, there's only one thought, and it's perfectly in tune. And that's Christ's thought. That's the mind of Christ. So here's what we do. We just be still. We open our hands, symbolically opening our mind, and let go of our thoughts what we believed in our mind, what we cherished, what we built up, what we thought is true, we symbolically let go of those and we say, Jesus, show me. Show me anywhere I've been off in my thinking. Show me what's true. And I want to let go of anything that's not true. I only want to believe what you show me. And when we do, then God is pure light. And we walk in that pure light. We are pure light walkers. Now, we can say, well, I thank God that I got I got some things right here. And I look at myself and I look at these other people and everything. And, you know, it doesn't look like pure light. And, and uh, so, I, you know, things can't be just exactly like you say. You're off. You're going to end up on the North Pole or the South Pole or wherever instead of in Paris. See, objectively, you're not believing the truth. You are out of tune with pure light, with no trace of darkness. This is deep stuff. I appreciate you hanging with me. You and I are actually living in two places, two realms at the same time. We live in the seen and temporal world where what we see and taste and touch and feel and smell gives input into our mind. And we also live in the unseen and the eternal realm of God, the kingdom realm. 
the unseen world, it, it doesn't seem like it, that could possibly true be true, but but it is. And what we see with our eyes looks like that would be true, but it's not. We learn to see with our eyes in the unseen and eternal realm. So how do we know what's true? We let go of what we've been taught. Some of it may be right, and Christ may come back and show us. We get still. We don't let our mind argue. We listen to pure light and love and joy and peace and grace and goodness that's in you. And that pure light shines right through the darkness, and it purifies and cleanses and warms and illuminates and clarifies and reveals and restores and heals. One last verse today, and we're done. First John 1, 7. We are invited to explore the dimensions of the same light that engulfs God. When we see the light in His light, fellowship ignites. In his light, we understand how the blood of Jesus Christ is the removal of every stain of sin. The success of the cross celebrates our redeemed innocence. That's good news. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being with me. I love you all. See you all next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.